0: chapter twenty six Today. Paul is now in this um, auditorium before these Governor Festus, and the King is there, King Agrippa, uh, Herod Agrippa the Second, his sister, who is his wife. Bernice is uh, there, and then there's all kinds of other people that are there with them. They would have uh, their military leaders would be there in the auditorium the um, the court People would be there in the auditorium. So there would be a lot of people uh, in the auditorium as Paul is now going to give a testimony. He's now going to present to Agrippa. And uh, he loves doing this. He was told by Jesus. You're going to go before kings and leaders and Gentiles and, and Jews, and you're going to give the gospel. And so this is what he looks forward to. He, he wants to do that. And so this is his environment that he loves to be in. So he's already appealed um, to Caesar when he went before Festus, and the council came from Jerusalem, he appealed to Caesar because Festus said, hey, do you want to go to Jerusalem and present your case there? And Paul knew that they were out to kill him if he went to Jerusalem. So he said, no, I'm a Roman, and I'm appealing to Caesar. And so he uh, had already now have this assignment. He's on the schedule to go to Caesar. But it started with being arrested in Jerusalem. And when he was arrested there, uh, there was the, uh, Claudius Lithius was the commander uh, of the Antonio Fortress there. And he had to come and rescue Paul because he was getting beat by these Jews that wanted to kill him. And so they had a council there. That council, the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, the 70 leaders of the Jews, got together and presented their case before Claudius Lysias. He's the commander of the fortress there. So uh, when he couldn't come to a resolution, and he didn't really know what to do at that point, he decided to send to uh, Paul, to Felix. Well, this was also because they found out there were 40 guys that wanted to kill Paul, and they took an oath to kill Paul. And so he got Paul out of there, put him uh, with a group of hundreds of soldiers, and got him to Caesarea, where he is now. And so he gets to Caesarea. And um, at that point, Felix was the governor, and so Felix calls this group, this council, to come there and present their case against him. And they presented the case against Paul, and there wasn't enough to convict him on. So you would think he would they would set him free, but They don't set him free, and Felix keeps him in prison for two years. And then Felix eventually um, is um, then seceded by Festus, who is another governor, comes in. And as he comes in, he's like, all right, what do we do with this guy? And once again, the Jews said, hey, we want to hold court against this Paul. They weren't giving up, even after two years. They wanted to make sure that he was put to death. So the council comes before Festus. They present their case again. And Festus is like, I don't see it. I don't see what the reason is that this man should be put to death. So that's when he appealed to Caesar. Now King Agrippa comes to town, and he... Festus tells King Agrippa, hey, we have this guy that was held over from Felix. And he's here in prison. He, he's here in custody. He really wasn't in a prison at that point. He was under guard, but he had a place that he was staying in, in Herod's palace, and, um, or in uh, Festus' palace. And he's there at the governor's palace, staying in this place, but he has access to his friends to come in and out. The servants would come in and out. Uh, the The guards would be there. So he had an audience that he was able to share the good news with constantly. And so now King Agrippa comes to town. And they are now getting, Paul is now getting to stand in front of King Agrippa and give him the testimony. This time the council isn't there. He's being brought before Agrippa, Festus, and all the other people without any real counsel. So this really isn't a real trial. It's more uh, of just a, a hearing of, to hear what Paul has to say. Today's message is titled, Same Accusation, Different Trial." We continue our study through the book of Acts with chapter 26 in verse 1 where we read, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. And so Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. Now, I, I thought that was interesting. Stretched out his hand. What what does that have to do with anything? Why does that level of detail provided in our Bibles that he stretched out his hand? Well, later on, we're going to hear that Paul was in chains, and he says, I wish you would agree with me. You would believe what I believe, and I wish that you had the same thing that I have, the same, except for these chains. And so we know he was in chains. And so here he is stretching out his hands, maybe to show, hey, I'm, you know, I'm here before you and he's in chains. So maybe that's why, maybe I made that up. But anyway, it says it here in the Bible. So we're going to go with it. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I'm accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. And so here it sounds like he's schmoozing Right. It sounds like he's trying to get on his good side. Not so. You see, what he really wanted was King Agrippa to understand that Paul recognized who he is and his knowledge of all things Jewish. Uh, That's important because as Paul gives a testimony about his background, he knows that this man who was a Jew. Now, he, he was a Hellenistic Jew. He was a, a, a Jew that didn't follow like an Orthodox Jew, but more uh, like a Greek Jew. So he believed the things, but he still lived like a Greek. And so that's what a Hellenistic Jew is. And and that's who King Herod uh, was. That's how he lived his life. And so he is now... They're speaking to this guy, knowing that what he knows, knowing his knowledge and his background. So here he is before all of these people. He had this captive audience. You see, he's not just addressing King Agrippa, he knows that everyone in that room is listening to him. And so, isn't that, see, as a pastor, I'm used to that. Um, you know, I, I know that I have. Uh, well, you're not captive, you can leave. But I have an audience that is here to listen what the Word of God has to say. And so really I'm just the conduit of the message that we hear here in the Bible. And so Paul, in the same way, is bringing a message. He is the conduit of this message coming from the Lord. And I believe that Paul... And we hear many things, extra-biblical writings about him that tells us he wasn't a great orator. He he didn't have a persona. He wasn't Charlton Heston. You know, he just didn't have that persona as he um, spoke to the people. He was a little hunched over. He had a hooked nose. He he looked, uh, you know, like he was um, challenged. We know that he had an infirmity that he prayed for three times that the Lord would take it from him. So here is this man that isn't the pillar of society. He's not this leader that he was when he was part of the Jewish council. Now he seems like an outcast. And here he is presenting uh, before these royalty and he starts, My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And so Paul now is saying, Look, this is who I am. Yes, he is Saul of Tarsus, but he is now Paul that's delivering this message to the Romans, and he started at Tarsus, but at an early age, he was sent to Jerusalem. He studied under Gamaliel which was, he was the highest level of teacher that there was in Jerusalem. He studied under this man who taught, taught him everything he needed. See, taught is New York. And, and, and say, I'm living in Arizona, so taught. Um, so he taught him everything he needed to know to be a Pharisee. And Paul exceeded at this. He did so well that he shot to the top of the ranks in a very short period of time. So he became unfaithful to this council because he stopped believing what they believed. He stopped teaching what they taught. And he started teaching something different. It wasn't that he learned some other religion. It wasn't that someone else converted him to some other um, uh, religion that wasn't part of what they believed. He was still a Jew. He believed everything that was in the word of God. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. They had the prophets and the Psalms, and and they, you know, they had um, the Book of Moses. So they had all of the early Bible, and they didn't believe it. They didn't trust that the Messiah was going to be coming, and he was going to suffer, and he was going to die they didn't believe that. They believed the Messiah was going to come and be king. He was going to rule. He was going to destroy all the enemies, set up a a, a, a um, capital in Jerusalem, and then he was going to give seats to all of those Jews that were there living in Jerusalem, the ones that served him, the priests and the chief priests and the scribes, and they were all going to be elevated to these high-level positions in his kingdom. That's what they thought, the Jews. That's still what they thought at this time. Paul is going to explain how all of that changed. So it says in verse 6, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. So he's saying, I'm being judged by what they say the Old Testament says, what they say the book of Moses says, what they say the prophets say. I'm being judged because I hold a different opinion than what they hold. You see, the Jews changed what, the word of god said in old the the 10 commandments they made sure that they could clarify and specify what the 10 commandments meant so there were 680 commandments then made out of those 10 commandments laws that they made to clarify exactly what the you know people needed to know it sounds like our legal system today, doesn't it? You know, let's keep changing it so everybody understands. Well, I, I don't want to read a law book, but here uh, Paul says, Hey, I believe what they believe, except I stay true to what God's intent. That's the difference. They didn't stay true to what God intended in the writing. Folks, today, we have the full Word of God. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We don't have to add to any of it. There aren't any other books, extra books that we need to read. We have the whole Word of God. And it is the inerrant Word of God, we're told. It's true. Would God give us the Bible um, just in addition to all the other options to get to heaven? Uh, He wants us to have a relationship with him. The other religions don't offer a relationship with... As a matter of fact, Islam, they don't have any hope. They don't believe that you can have a relationship with God. Their hope is based on, well, I hope I make it. I hope I'm good enough. That isn't what our hope is. Our hope means we know... Jesus died for us. He took away our sin, and our hope is in what's going to happen next. It's kind of like when you play the lottery, you hope you win. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't play the lottery because I may win, and that would affect my life. I don't want my life to be affected by money. And and so, so, you know... If you play the lottery, you hope that you win. Okay, once you look at the numbers and they show them on the screen, and I have the ticket, I have the winning numbers. Now, your hope is you live long enough to enjoy it. <laughs> and you hope that you can get through But really, you have the ticket. And now you know what's next. For us, we have the ticket. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know that our sins are forgiven. We know that what comes next? Good news. You know, we know what's going to happen. So our hope isn't so much in I hope I make it. We're guaranteed that as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who have accepted him into their lives. We know we've got that part down, you know, we just need to focus on what's coming next that's really our hope is the the heaven that we're going to be experiencing can you imagine what that's going to be like i can't i mean i try but i can't even imagine so when paul presents things he's presenting from the point of view that i already have the hope this is my knowledge of scripture My relationship with God has given me a hope of what's coming next. I'm looking forward to what's coming next. That's what his hope is about. And so he says, now I stand judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly served God night and day. hope hope to attain for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. So he's saying, because of what I believe, because of my hope, that's why the Jews are accusing me. And that was a true statement. That was a fact. He wasn't making things up. He was saying, the Jews don't like me because of what I believe. And because I, how, how I hold, do you know how many different denominations and variations of belief within the Christian title that we have in our country? There are many different kinds of Christians. There are different denominations. You have Methodists, Presbyterians, you have Lutherans, you have all these different Religions. And even within those denominations, there are big variations. There are some that believe, oh, you can, um, you know what? It, it doesn't matter if you're homosexual. You can be part of the church. You could even lead the church. That doesn't matter. You can, um, I'm not going to go into details. You can be whatever you want to be and we'll accept you. And then there are other groups within the same church denomination that say, no, you can't do that. That's not what the Bible says. And so they have separations and breaks and splits and so on and so forth. There are some that don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. They believe that it's all allegory. And so Jesus didn't wasn 't born of a virgin he didn 't die on the cross he didn 't die for your sins he wasn 't perfect. they believe that he he had sin, but you know he he worked really hard at it, and he was a good guy he was a good teacher well, either he was a good teacher or he was a liar so you know there there is no in between We know Jesus because we not only read about him because he lives within us. And the truth is in us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That just disqualified all the other religions. I didn't do that. He did. And so we can be viewed as haters because... We don't accept all the other religions out there. We don't accept all the other options. We can be a hater because, you know, I don't hate anyone. I love them. I want them to believe what I believe. I want them to trust in the same Jesus that I know because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son. That simple. So when people say, well, I'm... I'm not ready for that. I don't, you know, I don't believe exactly that. Well, this isn't my opinion. I'm, I'm not just giving people my opinion. I'm reading the word of God to reach this conclusion. And, and so everyone has free will. That's what free will is about. You have the option to believe what you want to believe. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people make up their own stuff, and they're good with it. So then he says, this is the reason I'm being accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible to you that God raises the dead? So here he's now asking Agrippa, why do you think it's surprising that God raises the dead? See, I think that Paul knew it wasn't incredible to Agrippa. Agrippa could understand that, he could agree with that. And so knowing that, um, he was really trying to get Agrippa to recognize this. Why would it be? It's more of a rhetorical question. Why uh, would it be so crazy to believe that? So now he's going to relate to the king. He's going to show how they have their like-minded here. In verse 9 he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death... I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and be exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And so, he's not bragging. Okay, this this wasn't Paul trying to brag about who he was. He was confirming... In verse 9, he said, I must do these things. He believed that God gave him the the mission to go and kill Christians, to go and arrest Christians. He believed it in his heart. He believed that he was righteous in doing what he was doing. We can sometimes become self-righteous also. We can sometimes believe that what we're doing is more important than what God wants us to do. We come up with a plan and, you know, God says, hey, that's not my plan. You know, that's, you know, but you go ahead with your bad self. Uh, You know, hopefully you'll wake up and then you'll come back to reality. I know that as a I've been a Christian 40 years. And I know that there were times in my walk with the Lord that I was like, hey, come on, God, let's go do this. And he's like, no, I've got this other plan. It's better. And I went ahead and did my own thing. And then when I realized I was standing in a field by myself in the dark, it was like, okay, Lord, where are you? I'm, I'm right where you left me. Come on back, and, and we'll, we'll go again. You know, we'll, we'll take the walk again. That happens to every one of us. Every one of us can remember a time in our lives where we just felt like, I'm separate. I'm not where I need to be. And, you know, how do I get back there? Well, Jesus didn't move. He's right where he has been the whole time. I'm not selling devotionals to make money because they're $10. They cost more than that. We have the devotionals back there for you to spend time with the Lord, to read what others that have had experiences with the Lord, uh, they write down, and a devotional really is just... Their experiences, their um, their learning, their knowledge, their testimony in the Lord, and now they're writing it down so you can read it and say, "Oh, I've done that, I've gone through that, I've been there." And so, when they when you experience that, you can say, "Okay, this actually gives me hope because someone else was just as stupid as I was." <laughs> you know and that happens to all of us we sometimes we need to hear from other people that they struggled in in the same things that we have so in verse 9 he said i indeed i must do many things contrary to the name of jesus of nazareth and he did them in jerusalem and then he was arresting them he even put them to death and he said, then when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You know what that means? That means he was in the council. He was part of the Sanhedrin. It, it isn't a Jewish vote. They don't send out ballots. Should we put this guy to death and, and everybody has to fill out their ballot. There are 70 of these Jewish leaders they were Sadducees and Pharisees in this group of 70. Mostly Sadducees. And so here they are in this group and they would come together and they would decide the fate of who it is they want to put to death or whatever the case may be. But he always, you know, voted against Christians. You know, so when we hear that, we think, oh, so you're a murderer. A murderer wrote all of these scriptures. All of well, there's hope for me. I haven't murdered anyone yet. You know, they they say, uh, you know, Jesus. Hey, if you have hate in your heart for your, you're, you're guilty of murder. You know, so I guess I have. In that context, you know, that, you know, all of us are guilty of something. Here's the funny thing, is that all that means is that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And all of us can be forgiven of no matter what it is. No matter what we've done, no matter what sin there is, we can all be forgiven. Praise the Lord. And, and so, that's why he came. So that we could be forgiven. And then he said, I punished them in every synagogue. He went and persecuted them in foreign cities. And he caused them to blaspheme the name of Jesus. You know what this is? This is a picture of the Antichrist. In the tribulation period. He is going to cause everyone... To get a mark. On their hand or their forehead. And they have to. Deny the name of Jesus. And they have to worship him. So when people say. Oh you know what the vaccine is the mark. The vaccine is not the mark. Because when you go to get the vaccine at Walgreens. They don't say. Okay can you deny Jesus. You know and then we'll give you the vaccine. No they don't do that. But. The vaccine is a great way to get people used to just following orders. You know? It, it's just a way that they're, they'll come up with new ways to do that. They're go, it's just going to keep expanding. Don't worry. You're going to be in heaven. Because we're not going to ever see the mark. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're gone before the mark is distributed. So don't worry about that. There is not a lot of fear there. But Paul, he was doing the same thing that we're going to expect to see in the future. Then he continues in verse 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests... At midday, O king, remember he's speaking to these people. He's giving his testimony. I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journey with me. We live in Arizona. You've been out there on the road in the desert when the sun's shining. Just nothing brighter than the sun. You know, sunglasses don't work. I mean, it's just bright. This light was brighter than the sun. It shone around them, so it was even brighter than what was already there. And it says at midday, it was brighter than the sun shining around me and those who were with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, they all fell to the ground because of this bright light. Not some of them, all of them fell to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Goads, for those who don't know, are the sticks that they would affix to a cart or a plow that the oxen are pulling, And oxen don't necessarily like to pull things. They just have to because we make them. But when they get irritated, they kick. And when they kick, these sticks are sticking out, and they kick the stick and it hurts. And so they learn, don't kick. And it keeps them, you know, doing their work without kicking. And so Jesus uses that analogy, that picture, and says, it's hard to kick against the goads. And what a great picture of what Paul was doing. He was kicking against Jesus. And so I said, who are you, Lord? See, he knew. He knew already. First of all, it just got really bright. And I'm hearing a voice that is not attached to a body and it's coming down really loud and I can hear it and he just said, why are you persecuting me? You know what that tells me? Jesus takes the persecution of Christians personally. He didn't say, why are you persecuting my children, my believers? Why are you persecuting the church? He didn't say that. He said, why are you persecuting me? It was personal. And then he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Can you imagine how Paul felt at that point? Uh, You know, because now, he not only recognized that he was doing something wrong, but he now understood that Jesus was alive you see he had heard the rumors he had heard that the disciples said that Jesus rose from the dead and that he was seen by all these people he had heard all of that but now he's hearing from Jesus he's hearing his voice he's hearing what he has to say And now Jesus is going to tell him what he wants him to know. But rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom... I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn from their darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by me in faith. And so here is Paul, Saul. Jesus calls him Saul. Why? Well, that's his Hebrew name, Saul. Paul is not a new name. It wasn't like Simon Peter. Simon was given a new name, Peter, by Jesus. Okay, Saul, his name was Saul, but his name was also Paul in Roman language. in, in the uh, language of Aramaic was really spoken as Paul. And Saul by the Hebrews. And so Jesus spoke to him in the Hebrew language. And that's how come he called him Saul. So this is the third time in the book of Acts that Saul gives his testimony. So that's important because back then uh, they didn't have books like War and Peace. They they couldn't write, you know, thousands of pages because it was on a scroll, and the longest scroll was still only a certain length, and this is one of the longest books that they were able to write in the new testament uh, New Testament. This is one of the longer books, and so it was stretched out all the way to the end, and remember we 're at the end and he still wanted to include his testimony again. So this was important. Folks, your testimony is just as important. Because people may not be able to see Jesus by looking at the world around them. They might not have clarity to understand the hand of God in creation. They may not see that. But, When they see Jesus living in you, it's undeniable. They can see how we act differently than the world. When trouble comes, how we handle it is an indication of how deep our faith is. If we get all shook up like the rest of the world does, then our faith appears weak. We appear as strong as the rest of the world. Paul has been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's, been, he's had so many things happen to him at this point. He's been whipped multiple times. They, uh, they said 39 times because it was actually 40, but they only whip him 39 to show mercy. Uh, He's had that happen multiple times to him. And so here he is, imprisoned without a crime, and he's living in these conditions that he's in, and he still has joy. And hey, I'm here in front of you, King, and I get to tell you my story. Folks, you got a story. No matter what you're going through, no matter what phase you are in your life, you may be at the beginning, you may be at the middle, you may be at the end, you may be past the end, uh, you know, because uh, some of us were like, oh man, I, I, I don't want to go on from here. But you know what? We're here. We're here. And we still have life in us to show to someone else. The life is not our own. It's him living within us. It's the Holy Spirit that we get to show off. Because if it were up to us, we wouldn't be very impressive. But when we show off who he is, well, that's impressive. And so here's Paul. How do we know that Paul was changed? Well, It wasn't just a change of heart and a change of mind. You can have a change of mind. You can believe in your head. If it doesn't sink down to your heart and it doesn't affect your heart, then you're just full of head knowledge. A a lot of churches out there teach doing good works. You know, go and do this, and help these people. Go to prisons, have a prison ministry, feed people, give money to the poor, so on and so forth. And you'll, you're going to be good. You're in, like Flynn. You're you're going to be successful. You're going to get into heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You see, a change of mind affects the change of heart which affects the change of life and that's what we see in Paul he had the experience on the road to Damascus and that it caused him to understand, he had the knowledge now, the wisdom to understand how the Old Testament applied to Jesus he understood what the Jews didn't understand and he was a Jew But he understood it. And then it changed his life. And now he's here in front of King Agrippa. And he's sharing all of this good information with him. We're not going to hear the rest of this because that's next week. But it gives you something to look forward to. Paul was delivered from the Jews And he was sent to the Gentiles to preach. If you are a Gentile here today, which means you're not Jewish. If you're a Gentile here today, then because of his preaching, we are here today. Because of what we know to be true in the word of God, we're here today. And so his ministry is effective even today. And, uh, you know, 2,000 years later, it's just as good as the day he preached it in front of Agrippa. So, notice that in order to receive the forgiveness of sin, they first had to turn away from the power of Satan and turn to the power of God. That was the key to receiving forgiveness of sin. And an inheritance Among those who are sanctified. That's where our inheritance comes from. It comes from making a decision in our mind. Letting it take effect in our heart. And changing our life. So we now walk differently. And we become children of the living God. We close reflecting on Paul's predicament. He was having the same accusation. Just a different trial. But... He was going to give the same testimony. He was going to give the truth. He was going to pour the... He amplified a little more information in this than he did in his previous accounts. He gave a little more information, but we get it all here in this book. We can read it all, and we can understand everything that he went through. We also have a testimony that we can give about Jesus Christ. Jesus cast demons out of a man, legion, and uh, when he went there, he cast them out. Remember, they went into the pigs. Pigs ran into the ocean. And, and this man, and, and the man, when he was set free, said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had did for him. And so that is our calling too. When we receive Jesus, our calling is to let other people know about the great. Sometimes we even have to use words. But we use it with a changed life so people can see that there's something different about the way we live. And now that you've been set free, who else needs to know? Well, go and tell them. Amen? Amen?